welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. So we're talking in this series uh, about why doesn't blank work? And one of the things that we're doing is we're kind of using this rhetorical device of answering questions in a negative way. Because we go through life and we ask ourselves questions like, why doesn't my life work? Now we might not ask ourselves that question in a certain way, but when we go through difficult times, like in relationships or in certain phases of our life, we're like, why isn't this working the way that it should be working? We look at the world and we think that. And we've talked about that over the past two weeks. Well, this week we're talking about, why doesn't my money work? And not that this is a question that you ask in, a, in, in this specific way, but I think all of us, we look at our money, we look at where we're at financially, and we go, man, like, why don't I make more money? Why don't I have more money? Why don't I have more freedom? Why don't I have more whatever? And you might be a person that's like, oh, you know, I don't really care about money. And that's great. Uh, you're one of one literally in the whole world. Because uh, I, heard, I, heard Zig, I heard Zig Ziglar say this one time, that money's not the most important thing in the world, but it's second only to oxygen. So uh, a lot of us care about money. If you don't care about money, just give us your money because we really care about it and you don't have to worry about it. So, uh, so I want to talk about why doesn't my money work? These are questions that we ask. I want you to take a look. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 25 um, in verses 14 through 30. This is known as the parable of the talents. And I'm not going to read you this whole passage of scripture, but I just encourage you to look at it because this is the context that we're going to be um, jumping off into today. And just to tell you this, this story, uh, what happened was in Matthew chapter 25, there was a master. Jesus taught this parable. He said, there was a master. There was a guy who was a boss. He's the CEO of the company. And he was going to go on a trip. And what he did was he gathered his three best guys. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you first guy five bags of silver. Second guy, I'm going to give you two bags of silver. Third guy, I'm going to give you one bag of silver. And what I want you guys to do with this is I want you to take care of it while I'm gone and be faithful with it. So he was gone for a really long time. He came back and the first employee, servant, said, Master, you're a great master. I took your five bags of silver that you gave me and I turned it into 10 bags. The second servant said, I took your two bags that you gave me and I turned it into four bags. And the third guy said, well, I knew you were like a hard master. And so what I did was I took the one bag of silver that you gave me and I just went and buried it in the ground. And here's this dirty silver that I pulled out of the ground for you. Um, the master looked at this one servant, the first servant, he said, ah, oh, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Like, you're such a great employee. Thank you for being on this team. Second guy, oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. You're really an asset to this team. Third guy, he, uh, he said it this way. He said, now throw this servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, I've, I've, uh, I don't know if you've ever been fired. Like most of y'all are probably really good employees. Like you really do a good job working for people. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Pastor Keith, uh, who's my dad and my boss, uh, routinely calls me wonderfully difficult. I'm wonderful, but also very difficult, which leads to getting fired. If you're ever a difficult person, and maybe you're difficult right now at your job, uh, just know at some point you will be fired. But here's what happened. Here's what happened in this story. You know, there's been times in my life, and the reason why I say that is because maybe you've never thought this. 
There's been times in my life where I've gone, you know what? They can only fire me once. <laughs> it's like, just so you know, at your job, like they can only fire you one time. They can't fire you multiple times from the same job unless they rehire you, which is kind of like their problem at that point. But I digress. This guy, his, his boss didn't fire him. He threw him into outer darkness. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like I've been fired before. I've never had to do that. So I'm glad in, uh, in 2021 that we don't live in that kind of world where if you get fired from your job, you, you know, get thrown out into complete and total darkness. Um, that has nothing to do with anything though. So, so I want to, I want to show you something because there's three things that happen in this story. These guys are given three things. They're given time, they're given talent, and they're given treasure. We call this the parable of the talents because, uh, the original word used there for bag of silver is talent. Now, a talent is not a dollar amount. A talent is a measure of weight, scripturally. That it was just something that was used to weigh things. So when, when the Bible says in this story that one servant got one bag, or one servant got five bags of silver, each bag of silver weighed 75 pounds. A talent was a measure of weight that is equal to about 75 pounds. I don't know what five times 75 is. It's like three something maybe. 375, thank you. So the first, I didn't get it first service because I wasn't ready for that, but they, they knew that this time. Um, the first servant got 375 pounds of silver. The second servant got 150 pounds of silver. The third servant got 75 pounds of silver. Now a pound of silver, if you look at today's silver prices, is worth about $416 in 2021 right now. So that would mean if you got 75 pounds of silver, you got $31,200 around about that number. Um, I don't know what that would be times uh, 10, well, I'm, I'm confusing myself. I'm getting into math and uh, I did not ace math on my SATs. So I got like a 300 in math on my SATs, no lie. But anyway, um, you don't need that information. Uh, so, so if you had one talent, you had something equal to $31,200. And the first, the first servant had one talent, had one bag of silver. The second one got to the point that he got four. The third servant got to the point that he had 10. Uh, so in this story, the master leaves for a certain period of time. He leaves for a long time. He gives them talent and that talent is worth treasure. Okay. So if you've ever invested before, you know how long it potentially takes to double a certain amount of money that you invest. No matter how risky the investment is, it's not an overnight thing, usually unless you're dealing in underground creative economies, uh, like non-legal things, right? Typically you could double your money in a different way by investing in things that aren't maybe the most legal thing. But this master left for a long enough period of time where this guy could take the five talents that he was given, the 375 pounds of silver that he was given and turn it into 850 pounds. Is that doubling that, 750? Oh my gosh. You guys are feeling me, right? I don't need to do the math for you. Uh, you could do it faster than me, I promise. So, 750? Thank you, Chuck. Oh, we're gonna get through it. Um, <laughs> So we've all been given a measure in life. This is, this is the story that Jesus is showing this, regardless of how confused I've made you in this moment. 
the story that Jesus is showing us is that we've all been given a measure of time. We've all been given a measure of talent and we've all been given a measure of treasure. And you might in your mind be like me and think that you're a one talent person. But even if you're a one talent person, that talent is still worth a lot of money. Now, $30,000 might not be a lot of money to some of you in this room. Um, but for me, it's a huge amount of money. If I got $30,000, if my stimulus check was $30,000, I'd be jumping for joy, right? I'd be excited for that. Um, so, so I want to invite you into this understanding of, of that, first of all, because we all have to understand God has given us something to steward. So the first reason uh, why our money doesn't work is the same reason why it didn't work for the guy that had one talent, and that's that we're not good stewards. Now, I'm not saying that you're not a good steward. I'm, I'm just answering this question, again, as a rhetorical device, I'm not being negative or cynical, but I want to show you this in the context of the United States of America, okay? So $63,179 is the most recent average American household income in the country that most of us live in. Both parents working together, the average American household income, $63,179. In our city that we live in, in Frisco, it's more around $120,000 in terms of the average household income in our city. But in the United States of America, where we live, $63,179. If your household makes that amount of money, you are in the top 0.17% of people in the entire world. You are richer than 99.83% of people that live on this earth today. You make, if you make $63,179 a year, you make $33 an hour in your household. The average worker in the country of Ghana makes eight cents an hour. The average worker in the country of Indonesia makes 39 cents an hour. You make this much money in one year. If you live in Zimbabwe and you're the average worker, you make this much money in 61 years. If you live in Ghana and you're the average worker, you make this much money in 395 years. Your income monthly is $5,265 if I round it up by 10 cents. You would make that in a month. In the country of Malawi, 388 doctors would make that in one month. 388 doctors. In the country of Kyrgyzstan, $275. 275 doctors make that in one month. Now, if you're like wanting to check my sources and find out my information, you can download our, our app or you can go to our live page, live.elevate.life. And all of this is written in there and I have, the, the, uh, I have all the sources cited. So this is according to the World Bank and the Occupational Wages Around the World database. Um, one of the recent things, one of the things I read this week was that Americans across every country in the whole world, not even exaggerating, America's, Americans have the largest net financial wealth and net adjusted disposable income in the whole world. That means we have more money to spend on non-essentials as Americans than anybody does in any country anywhere. Like you might look at your life, you and I might look at our life and go, well, we don't make enough money or I don't have enough or I don't have as much as I want. 
you are already, if you make that in your household, which I don't know if you do or not, but if you make that in your household, you are already richer than 99.83% of people that walk the face of this planet. The average revolving debt per U.S. household is $11,809 monthly. That's unsecured loans and credit cards. So the average debt that you and I, as Americans, carry month to month is 11,000, let's say 12, $12,000 every month we just roll it over, where we make minimum payments, we just do what we can do, we just manage our debt. Um, On top of that, the average American spends, according to recent statistics, $1,497 on non-essentials. What's a non-essential? Non-essential is things like eating out, uh, clothing, um, toys, stuff for your kids, random enjoyment things, movies, Netflix, all this different kind of stuff. The average American family spends $1,497 a month on non-essentials. Now, I'm not trying to wear you out with math, but I just want to show you something. Um, The average monthly income of an American that makes $63,179 a year, the average American family is $5,264.91. The average monthly income in Cameroon is $1,500 a month. That's all they make. The average monthly income in, in Pakistan is $1,410. The average monthly income in Myanmar is $1,390. The average monthly income in Haiti, $1,330. The average monthly income in Ethiopia is $850. The average monthly income in Sudan, $590. The average monthly income in Congo, $530. The average monthly income in Afghanistan is $530. So as Americans, we waste more money every month than entire families make. And we're like, oh man, I don't make more money. I I just don't think I don't, I don't, I just don't think that I make enough money. The problem is not uh, at this point, just look at the data. The problem is not how much money we make, it's how we steward the money that is currently in our hand. Because you know what we think? I think this, if I had more money, I would be more comfortable and I would have more margin. There's this idea, um, this observed phenomenon, and you can Google it. It's called the hedonic treadmill, okay? So the hedonic treadmill is, is basically, um, to, to really sum it up, whatever percentage of money that you spend on things, no matter how much money you make, you spend that percentage of your income on that thing. So for instance, Maybe you uh, went this week and you went to Target and you saw a bunch of stuff on clearance and you bought a bunch of things that were on clearance just because they were on clearance. Home decorations, I don't know. I don't really shop at Target, but a lot of people do, right? My wife loves Target. Don't want to go anywhere else in the whole world. So um, you might at your income level spend most of your disposable income on Target or on eating out at Chili's right? The hedonic treadmill says if you increase your income to a certain level, the same percentage of money is spent, meaning that you stop buying your non-essentials at Target and you start buying your non-essentials at Louis Vuitton. You stop eating out at Chili's and you start eating out at Del Frisco's, 
because you're spending the same percentage of money on a non-essential item. That's pretty much how human beings work. So we think in our mind that if I make more money, I will have more to invest in retirement. I'll have more to give. I'll have more to do whatever with. When the truth is, for most of us, now this might not be true for you as an individual, but for most of us, it is not how much money we make, it's how we're stewarding what God has already put in our hands. Because even though 14, even though the average American household spends $1,497 on non-essentials every month, 58% of Americans say that they don't have enough money to invest in retirement or life insurance. 70% of Americans say that they could manage their money better. So seven out of 10 of us already agree we're not really stewarding well. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two. Um, oh, that's next. I thought I, had a ver I thought I had something there. But first Corinthians chapter four, verse two. The Bible says, Paul says in, in that verse, he says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. We have a, if, if God has given us anything to steward, which he's given us all time, talent, and treasure, we have to be found faithful with what God has put in our hand. What is a steward? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 that those guys were given something to steward. This verse says we have to be found faithful as stewards. All a steward is, is someone who has authority and responsibility for something someone who is in charge of something. So you are in charge of your time. You are in charge of your talent and you are in charge of your treasure. Some of you are in charge of your children, right? Some of us, we need to learn from you because we like pretend like we're in charge, but uh, the tail wags the dog in that, in that world. I'm working on it, right? <sighs> Just pray for me. So. So uh, am I going to tell you today how to be a better steward? No, I don't know what that means for you. But I want to I give you a resource just before we move on into like the next thing I have to say. And uh, we love Dave Ramsey here at Elevate Life Church. And we love Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey has put together a comprehensive approach to how to become a better steward. Because the number one thing you and I might be struggling with right now in our life is not how much money we make. It's the fact that we're just not stewarding it all that well. We feel caught up in like the rat race and in trying to pursue different things and in trying to uh, make sure that our life looks a certain way. You know, there was a survey that was done recently across Generation Z, millennials, and baby boomers. So everyone's at fault here, okay? Uh, this survey that was done says, what does being rich look like to you? That was the question that they asked. And they had two answers. Number one answer that they could answer was the appearance of success. The number two answer was having money in the bank. 80% of people across generations responded that wealth and being rich looks like looking successful. We live in Dallas, which is amazing at this. You got people that live in apartments driving $100,000 cars. Like, what are we doing? Right? Like, oh, I can afford that lease. I can afford that lease, therefore I should just do it. You know, here's the thing that I, like I teach a financial planning class in our internship. Here's the thing that I, like here's a secret. No one's looking out for you. Like that bank is gonna qualify you for a loan. They will qualify you for the absolute maximum that you can afford so that hopefully like you are beholden to them in the future, right? They don't care about your 
like income to debt ratio, they will give you the max that you can possibly qualify for. We live in Dallas, which is amazing at this. They did a TV show about this in the 70s that I've never watched. Uh, like the appearance of wealth is all over this place. It's like the Gilded Age, right? Everything looks gold, but it's fake gold and it's not real. So the, 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 in our minds, we think if we can, it's so silly because if I can get it to look this way, then it is this way. We all know that's a lie. Like your Instagram's not real. What you're posting is, bunch, is fake and you know it's fake. You and I, we know it's like, yeah, you can clap for yourselves. Bunch of fakers. We know it's fake. Like we know the stuff we're putting out there is fake, but then we want everyone to know it's real, but they all know their stuff's fake too. So then everyone's fake, but like we're pretending like, oh, so proud of you, so great for your life. Like don't do none of that stuff. Don't play that game. That's a game that society tells us to play that puts us in a position to not be good stewards, right? Um, another great book to read is The Millionaire Next Door. God describes like who a, who a millionaire is. It's not someone who has a boat parked in their driveway. That guy that has a boat parked in his driveway, he's probably about to get foreclosed on and that boat's about to get towed away. Don't be like that guy. So stewardship does not look a certain way. Stewardship like is a certain way. So the second thing is, why doesn't our money work? And again, if you, want, if you want help, Dave Ramsey is amazing. His stuff is unbelievable. Start there, right? Second thing, why doesn't our money work? Because uh, we're not good sowers. So I, wanna, I want to, uh, there's so much I could give you. Like there's so much that we talk about here at Elevate Life Church as it relates to finances and generosity. And I'm not going to talk through all of that today, but what I want you to do if you want to is uh, we all know how these work, uh, is uh, there's a link to a Google Doc that has a lot of our kind of philosophies of generosity in that Google Doc that can probably help you understand philosophically where we are at as a church. And this is also linked in our live page. So if you want to go on there and um, take a look at this Google Doc, you're welcome to do that. This is a, it's a very deep, finances are a very deep concept. So to cover them in one week is a lot. So I'm not going to get to all of this today, but one of the things that's in there is a, is a little list that we put together called the state of generosity. And uh, we did some research. So what we found in the state of generosity thing, if you're looking at the Google doc, I want you to go to number eight on that list. I don't, I don't have it in my notes up here, but number eight on that list says people making $20,000 a year are eight times more likely to give, like just to be generous. They're eight times more likely to be generous than someone making $75,000 a year or more. Only 1% of families in the U.S. making more than $75,000 a year tithe. That's crazy to me. So the, the more you su succeed, the more money that we make, the less tendency that we have to be generous. In the church, 37 to 50%, according to recent statistics, 37 to 50% of people that attend church services don't give any money to the church. While at the same time, here's the good news, if you do give money to the church, and if you do so, and if you do tithe, 80% of Christians who tithe have no revolving debt. So that monthly number that's 8,000, or $11,801 doesn't factor in for them because of how they manage their money. So there's a stewardship component, but there's also a sowing component. And I want to show you this in the Bible. Luke chapter two, verses one through four. Here's another thing that Jesus observes. 
Um, it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given, all, has given more than all of the rest of them. For they, the rich guys, have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything that she has. These small coins were known as lepta back then. It was the smallest form of currency available in the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, compared to our money, one of these coins was worth about like 50 cents. So what she gave was worth around $1 in today's money. The two lepta, the two widow's mite that she gave could have bought her enough food to eat for a couple days. For all of us, if you gave $1 in the offering today, it probably wouldn't affect your life in a significant way. In this widow's life, it meant the difference between starving and eating. What's the point? Like, you know, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop here as it relates to, oh, you should give all your money to the church. Of course you're going to say that. Like, you're a pastor, and that's what you guys do. You just, like, claw at me and grab at me and try to reach your hands in my pocketbook. And, you know, <laughs> no, that's not the point. It's not the point to give all your money to the church and starve because we just talked about stewardship. Here's, here's, what I want, here's one thing I want to say really quick. If you are tithing and trying to give over and above and you find yourself in debt, just tithe, don't give over and above because giving over and above is a privilege, right? We have to be good stewards. Tithing is a part of stewardship, but you can't give all your money to the church and then also be a dummy with your finances. Don't do that. So the point Jesus is making here is that we should be the kind of people who always have a heart to give until it hurts and give some more. So what other people give, what, what a lot of people give, now you can look at dollar amounts all day, you can compare it all day, uh, but Jesus says what the rich people give comes out of their excess. They don't need none of that money. But this woman gave out of her poverty. With God, it's never about the amount given, it's always about the amount sacrificed. In this story, a minimum gift requires a maximum sacrifice out of the giver. So God does not, well, it's not working. There it is. God does not count. He weighs. What does he weigh? He weighs the measure of our sacrifice in relationship to what he has given us and what's in our heart. So here's what we do in the church in America that bothers me. Okay. We just try to get people to give out of their surplus. Like, hey, maybe don't be selfish all the time. Maybe don't always just think about you and your family. Maybe that would be good, right? That's mostly the place we come from. Like, you're going to be fine this month, and you're going to make it through this month. But guess what? There's people that without us aren't going to get to do that. So maybe you should stop for a second and think about them. That's most of the place that we come from. It's like in generosity surveys, like you should have cause-based giving. So don't just tell people they should give, show them the cause and then they'll give because their hearts will be broken by it, which is fine, but also annoying, right? The reason why that's annoying is because Christians should not be selfish, but they are. There's no, there's no getting around it. We should not be selfish people. Most of us in this room, most of us watching this, we have way more than we need, and then we have the ability to be way more generous than we're being, and we're just not doing it. So here's what, here's what happens in church, right? It's like, oh, pastor's gonna come up here, he's gonna talk about money because he needs my money. It's like, no, I mean, 
not in this church. I mean, maybe at other churches, but not in this church. Pastor Keith does, does, does really well. We generally do really well. God's really blessed this church. But we had a food pantry this Saturday where there were people that pulled up into this parking lot and we were able to feed them with groceries for a week. Most of us in this church gave zero towards that. Now, I can't help you care about people. I can't make you be unselfish. But going through life and just thinking about you is not the way that God wants you to live. And if you call yourself a Christian, no one should have to get in your face and talk to you about how selfish you are. You should already understand. Now, I'm smiling, right? Because I'm not trying to be unnecessarily critical and confrontational because some of you in this room, some of you that are watching, you understand this and you live and you give sacrificially out of your heart to really see the world change and to see God move. But so many of us go through life and it's just about us. And if I claim to follow Jesus, I cannot live that way and think that I'm following him. Jesus is the guy that said, this woman gave out of her need this woman gave out of her poverty. She was in abject poverty. One dollar made the difference for her between living and dying on a level. And she decided to give that. Whereas the rich people are like, oh man, like, you know, some of these guys are like, oh, you know, I'll write this big check. You know, I only, only make like five million a year. Isn't the church glad that I gave $10,000? Like, you know, I'm, we are, sure. Is God? No, because he's looking at the measure of sacrifice. So give until it hurts and then give some more is a way to live. Why? Because so many of us, we have our needs met already and we get scared and we get freaked out. And this year is, this year is representative of that, right? Like it's like we just start thinking about ourselves, thinking about what am I going to do? What are we going to do? How am I going to make sure my kids are taken care of? You know, since I've been married and since I've had kids, there's not one time that I can remember where uh, me or my wife have gone to the grocery store and wondered how we were going to pay for food or wondered if we were gonna even get to the grocery store to pay for food. Now, some of you maybe are that way, and that's why you need the, the generosity of people to step into your world. But let's not stay that way forever. There are so many of us though, most of us, especially those of us that make, that are in the top 0.17% of people in the whole world, we go through life and we just think about what do I want? What do I want to do with this money? This money is for me. I shouldn't have to use this for other people. When God's looking at us going, hey, like that's not really what it's about. Like I've given you time and I've given you talent and I've given you treasure to steward. How good of a steward are you? But also how generous are you? In, in 1 Corinthians um, chapter eight and nine, Paul tells the story of the church in Macedonia. And, you know, a lot of people have a problem with this idea of the prosperity gospel. Okay, like, well, you know, we shouldn't tell people that if they give, God's going to give back to them. That's actually in the Bible. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul says, God wants to give to you so that you can always be generous. If God can get it through you, we believe he'll get it to you. But sometimes in our mind, we just think, man, like, you know, there's been times, there's been times for me, like, like recently, uh, Pastor Keith did a, did a, uh, an offering at our last warrior night where everybody, where a lot of guys stood up to give a thousand dollars, you know, for me giving a thousand dollars, not that I have to tell you that, but for me giving a thousand dollars is a lot of money based on where I'm at in life right now. So that hurt me. It hurt me to, to give that hurt me to step into that. Did he require me to do that? Not at all. 
But I'm a person, if there is an, you know, the Bible says that a generous man devises generous things and by his generosity, he will stand. I want to be a person that I'm always figuring out how to sow. Like, how can I move things around to where I can be more generous? How can I move things around to where I can be more unselfish? Because God has called me to sacrifice so that I can be generous. Now, for some of us, sacrificing this month might be $10 extra this month that you're able to give. That's great. God does not look at, oh, you couldn't give a thousand, so you're, you're a knucklehead. No, it's like, just you have to go based on where you're at in life, and that's what Jesus is saying. If you're rich and you don't give, give and give sacrificially. If you're not rich and for you given a hundred dollars is a sacrifice, know that God is completely honored by that because it's about the sacrifice. It's not about the amount. So there's a story that one time a beggar was by the road uh, asking for money. He was begging for money. And Alexander the Great, the great emperor of the Greek empire passed by. And uh, this man was poor and you know, messed up and, you know, obviously he couldn't demand anything out of Alexander the Great because he's the, he's the emperor, right? But Alexander the Great turns to him and he throws him several gold, gold coins. One of the people who was traveling with Alexander the Great was astonished by this generosity. He said, he said sir, uh, copper coins would have adequately met the beggar's need. Why would you give him gold? Alexander turned to his friend and he said, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. I want to be like Alexander the Great, right? So, so generosity isn't just about finances, though. Oh, that's, that's Alexander, by the way. I got ahead of myself. That's Alexander. It's maybe what he looked like. That's a mosaic. <laughs> um, generosity isn't just financial. Sure, financial is a big part of that. But look at this story back to Matthew chapter 25. God's given us all time. We all have 86,400 seconds every day. God's given us all talent. No matter what you feel about yourself, you have gifts and abilities and skills. God's given us all treasure. We all got money. <clears throat> so what you decide to do with those three things is ultimately your gift back to him. And it's, and it's the way that we live life. So you might be sitting here going, man, I'm tapped out on the money front. I'm just like, like you might be a person like most Americans, by the way, who's just drowning in credit card debt. That's why you need something like financial peace because you got to start with stewardship. We got to start with being a good steward. Okay, so just start there. Don't start with like trying to give everything to the church and hope God takes care of everything. You need to have wisdom and you need to, you need to operate with good financial rules in place in your life. Have margins, have a budget live within your means, all of these different things that we should learn and we should do. But then we should also step into generosity in the place that the master wanted his servants to step into generosity with. That's with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Um, in Matthew chapter 25, at the end of that passage of scripture, uh, the master is talking and he says, those who use well what they are given even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. You know, this is represented in our time and our talent and our treasure. That if you like misuse your time on earth, if you misuse yourself physically, if you like abuse your body through what you eat and not exercising, your time is shortened. Your time is taken away. Your time of being healthy is taken away. 
If you never develop your skills and you never develop your talents and you never grow and don't have a growth mindset to become all that God has called you to become, your talents aren't really maximized in life. If we are people that we don't manage our finances well and we do not steward them effectively, then what little treasure we have seems to come in right into our hands and go right out the door. So God has given us these three things and what we have to do is decide that we're gonna steward them to the best of our ability. So how does that look? In the church, if you wanna be generous with your time and your talent, man, we got teams all around here. You've seen people that are wearing shirts with our logo on them. You dropped your kids off in our kids area. Those people are serving and they're giving of their time and their talent. No one is paid to do that. We don't have paid hosts here. We don't got paid parking lot guys. The police love us because we do pay the police to be here when they're here and it's nice for them. But uh, they're not always, you know, they serve and protect all the time. That's the life that they live. But like at the same time in life, how can you be generous? Ask yourself this question. How can you be generous with your time? to people. I don't know. I don't know what that answer is for you. How can you be generous with your talents, with the skills and the competencies that God has given you? How can you be generous with your treasure? You should be generous in the context of the church because the church is the only organization that Jesus ever founded in his time on earth here. But this is more about our approach to life than me just saying, hey, you should give and don't be selfish and don't be a bad Christian. That's not the goal today. We're trying to make our money work. All of us want to be successful. Like I wanna make as much money as God will allow me to make in an ethical way in my life, right? I can't say it like unqualified because then, you know, there's other opportunities you could take advantage of that'll help you make money unethically, but that's a really bad idea, just so you know. You pay your taxes, it's tax season. Don't, don't dodge that stuff. The government gets their money. Anyway, so we go through life and we're trying to figure out how can I make money work? I wanna make more money, I wanna do more, you know, I think God opens doors based on how we steward right now. Matthew chapter 25 shows that. God's just put whatever he's put in your hand. Like you might be a millionaire right now, it's beautiful. You might be like me and you're not a millionaire. That's okay too. Because whatever God's given you is just what he's given you. And so you doing the best with what God has given you is what sets you up for success now and in the future. So bow your heads and close your eyes with me because uh, the, the, the thing we got to do, okay, before we even jump into this, is we got to like acknowledge the master in this story. Like you have to have an understanding in your heart that there's a God that created you, that has given you gifts and talents and abilities and time and talent and treasure and all this stuff. You're not like a random accident. It's going through life. You're also a very talented, competent person. Even if you're a one talent person, don't delude yourself into thinking that that's meaningless. One talent is worth $31,000. So even if you're a one talent person, you need to understand God has given you that talent for a specific reason. And it really does start with you giving him his rightful place in your life. You know, God's not gonna make you acknowledge him. Jesus isn't gonna make you follow him. But what we gotta do is we gotta start with going, God, I wanna do life your way. I wanna follow you. I wanna be like Jesus. That's what this thing is ultimately all about. So if you're here and you're in this room or you're watching this online, I want you to really consider like where you're at in terms of your following relationship with Jesus. And maybe, maybe, you know, it's not even about anything that I said or anything that was communicated from this platform. Maybe from the moment you stepped into this service or from the moment you started watching, God was just dealing with you on some stuff. 
You know, the great thing is the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. That means the goodness of who God is leads us to life change. Let's, you know, God's here. He's waiting for you. He knocks at the door of your heart. He wants you to live an unbelievable, great life. That's what he wants for each one of us. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.